Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Dinsky talked about peace at Christmas and how our first response as humans is fear, not peace. Even in Luke 2, verses 8 through 14, the shepherds' first response was fear when the angels came to them. Because of the coming of Jesus, God replaces our fear with joy and trades our shame for peace. This is such a great truth going into the busy Christmas season and remembering the good news of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message and have a Merry Christmas. Grab a seat and welcome. Hope everyone's doing well tonight. Guys, it dawned on me today that this is our last meeting, not just of the year, but of the decade. Feels weird. Feels like very heavy when you. Say, I don't. I don't like that, man. Feels very heavy when you say that. But guys, welcome. This is a very significant meeting. The last meeting of the decade. We are entering the twenties. It sounds weird. It sounds weird to say that. Every time I hear the twenties, I think nineteen twenties. But we're about to be in them, man. So, yeah. So welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna teach tonight. The same passage of scripture I taught out of last week. Anyone come last week to our United Night? Yeah? Okay. Luke 2, that's where we're going to be tonight. Jim Thompson taught on it this morning, if you were in big church. I promised I was going here before I heard Jim, okay? But it just seems like the spirits are aligning us, all right? Also, man, we, a special shout out. We got a lot of our college brother and sisters who have decided to come home. The prodigals have come home. They've abandoned their pagan ways, and they've decided to repent. And so, guys, we love you. We're so thankful you're here. Man, we miss you guys, dude. I miss you. Ian, I see you in the back, dude. Good to see you, man. Uh, no, we are glad you guys are here. Hey, I got a question. Has anyone ever been afraid? Yeah? Yeah? Ian, you have? Man, I'm so glad you're here. Lucas? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, me, dude. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking, like, really afraid. I'm not talking about, like, like my wife sometimes, she will hide in the house and scare me. Like, if she hears me coming, she'll, like, just wait around the corner. You know what I mean? Like, glue to the wall, and then right as I'm passing by, like, hey, Matt. I'm like, ah, stop, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of scared. I'm talking about scared to your bones kind of scared. Anyone ever been there? Yeah? I've got a few, I've got a few fears. I'm not going to lie. I've got a few fears. Uh, when I was young, I have an older brother. And when you're the younger sibling, sometimes you get exposed to things well beyond your years. You know what I mean? And so my brother was really, really, really into horror movies. And, dude, I don't like horror movies. To this day, I'm like, nah, peace out. <laughs> like, y'all have fun. I don't like them, but he loved them. But as the younger brother, it's like, oh, man, I'm just trying to be cool. Like, I'm trying to hang, right? And so I would watch these movies. And one in particular was called Chucky. And Chucky's about like a little doll that's, it's like, like kills people. It's really weird. Uh, and I'm not talking about like a little, little baby doll. I'm talking about like a three foot, looks like a little toddler running around. It's like, nah, dude, I'm not about that life, man. And my brother, um, simultaneously, I don't know if it was like, I forget the toy company's name, but there was a company that made dolls that looked exactly like Chucky, but it wasn't meant to be a Chucky doll. It was like their own thing. And they were called My Buddies, My Buddy Dolls. And they sold them, it was like pitched, it was like pitched to young boys. It was weird. It was like, hey boys, you can play with dolls too, My Buddy. And so, so it was like this three foot doll, red hair, blue eyes, the rainbow with the overall, same thing, Chucky, man, same thing. But they didn't call it Chucky. And my brother had one. He had one. 
And uh, man, we shared a room. We shared a room. And I'm just telling, man, I'm telling you, like, there were little nights, there, there were nights I'd wake up to this, like little pitter-patters going across the floor, and I think it was my brother, or was it, or was it my buddy? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I think it was him. I was scared, man. I was scared. I get scared sometimes. I think one of my deepest fears, truly, I, I don't like, I love being in the woods, and I love nighttime. I don't love the combination. Woods at night freak me out. When you're by yourself and you're like miles out in the woods, some of you are like, why would you ever be miles out in the woods? I'm just digging in the dirt. Don't worry about it, man. No, like when you're, when you're out there, I don't love that, man. One time uh, I was on a trip. I, I decided to take my team onto a backpacking trip, on a camping trip. Not this team, but the church I used to work at a number of years ago. There were seven of us. And I decided it would be a good idea to bond with a mountain trip, camping. Now, you got to understand, I was the only outdoorsy one on the team. So they were all like, oh, what are we going to do for internet? Like one really did ask me that. I was like, punch in your teeth. Shut up, internet. <laughs> they were worried about the weather. It was supposed to be raining and cold. They were worried about like, how are we going to stay warm? What are we going to do about internet? What are we going to do about like our computers? I was like, guys, <laughs> you're going to be fine. I'll take care of you. I'll bring all the firewood we could ever need. I'll, I'll like waterproof it. It'll be fine. It'll be good. About halfway up on the drive, I realized, like I'm going through the packing list in my head, and it hit me. I forgot the tents. Like I left them all. I left them all. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It happens. I'm only human, okay? So halfway up, I'm like, oh, no. But I didn't want to say it out loud because they would murder me in the car. You know what I mean? Like, slit my throat and drop me off somewhere. So... I was real hesitant. I was trying to figure out, how do I break this to them? Um, so I didn't. So we, <laughs> we get up there, and I like try to like ease into it. But truth be told, I did pack about six. I packed about half a dozen 10 by 20 tarps. Like we had all the tarps we could ever want. And so I was like, all right, guys, I, I, I got a plan. I got a plan. We'll find a pretty woodsy place, and we'll just pitch the tarps up. Like, we'll make a canopy. We'll set some ground cover. It'll be fine. The only caveat is when you do that, you sleep like, yeah, you've got a tarp above you, but it's open sky. Like, there's no walls. You don't feel, like, protected. You know, you're just kind of exposed to the elements. And if you're, like, afraid of the woods, or, or it's just an uncomfortable feeling. I don't know if you guys have ever been in the woods late at night. You hear sounds. You hear things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's creepy, man. I could have sworn I heard a woman get murdered one time. Turns out it's a female fox. They've got this high-pitched scream. <laughs> like it's, like I was out in the woods 5 a.m. one time. Like I froze in my chair. I was like, oh, a woman died. I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. And the boomcat kitty, she's real, man. She will, she will eat your soul, dude. I can't even believe I said her name out loud. So anyway, we're setting up, and, I'm, and they're all like super, they're bummed. Like now they're like, oh, this trip's going to suck now, man. We, I'm like, no, guys, it'll be good. Like I'm like trying to be Mr. Positive. So we had a good time. It's raining off and on, but our canopy's holding tight. And so bedtime comes. And, you know, when you, you pitch the canopy, you got to do it at an angle to, to let the rainwater go off somewhere. And so I'm at the most exposed spot. So, so the, the tarp is literally going down towards the ground. I've got one buddy two buddies. One guy decided to sleep in a hammock. I'm at the most exposed spot, so the mouth is wide open, right? 3 a.m. I hear this noise to my right. 
And I'm like, I'm like kind of waking up. It's pitch black. Nothing. And I hear it. I mean, it's like, like this. Dude, I'm like, oh, crap, dude. I'm about to die. Like, I'm about to die, man. And so I'm like, I start patting around, like trying to find my flashlight. I finally get it, and I pop it on 10 feet away. I just see these yellow beady eyes, like looking back at me. I'm like, ah! I didn't know what it was yet, though. Could be a fox. You never know. I mean, it's just nothing. So I, I put my flashlight, and I kind of like painted it down its body a little bit. Dude, it was a gigantic black bear. <laughs> and that night, I was, using, I was using a duffel bag as a pillow. There wasn't any food in the bag, nothing smelly, no deodorant, no gum, no nothing. Nothing that would attract that bear. Homie had swiped that duffel bag un, from out from under my head, dragged it 10 feet, and started rooting around in it, trying to open it. And that's what I was hearing. Like him going at it. Dude, I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm like in a mummy bag, by the way. You ever been in a mummy sleep bag? Like this is all I've got. I've got like a little, like a little hand coming out like with my flashlight. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. And so, dude, I'm like, like, dude, adrenaline just like pumps, man. I mean, I just tore out of the bag. Not really, but I felt like I could have. I unzipped it. Right? So the bear starts to, like, lumber away. He's like, dude, whatever this guy is smoking, I, like, I'm not interested. He can have it. He starts to, like, lumber away a little bit. And, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to wake the other guys. Like, controlled breathing, regulating my time. The guy hits. Guys, there's a bear in this side. Like... Man, I was so freaked out. So I'm trying to wake these guys up. They're not getting up. And I was like, all right, I got to deal with it, man. It's time to bow up. Here we go. So I get out of my bag, and I start heading towards the bear. And no joke, it is just like Hollywood couldn't have planned it any better. I'm moving towards this bear, and I hear this crack behind me. I've got a buddy sleeping in a hammock right over there on the tree line. A bear is coming out of the woods directly behind his hammock. A friend, homie called his friends. He's like, yo, I found a campsite, come hang out. Second bear is coming out of the woods, steps on a twig, crack. The dude in the hammock wakes up. It was like the Looney Tunes when Coyote is like hovering in midair and going, like he defies gravity in his hammock in a mummy bag. All of a sudden I see the mummy bag vertical and my friend is beside me and I'm like, wait, how did it, what? And all of a sudden the bag just crumples down. Dude leaped out of a hammock and left his bag vertical. He was so quick, like landed over here. Yo, dude, bears make you do some crazy stuff. Now, my friend, hey, we're all, we're all in the process. We're all in the middle of our sanctification, right? My friend said a few words in that moment, okay? Like, hmm, Winnie the Pooh, who got a little, he got a little angry at Winnie that night, so he said some things. His words let my other friends know, oh, this is real. Like, finally, they're like, oh, we better get up. So now we got these two bears, and I'm like walking around like a madman. I'm like, yeah, 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 like trying to get at these things. And then it hits me, oh, we got three girls on the team, sleeping just up the hill here. Guys, we gotta go check on our girls. So these two bears, they're like kinda just, kinda doing like a circle around the side. Like they're not aggressive, but man, I don't like that they're there. So like, come on, let's go check on the girls. We roll up to the girls. 
I, w- I can never, ever, ever forget this image. Like, I'm going up, and I'm like, girls, because I don't want to startle them. I mean, I'm clapping like a madman 10 feet off, but once I get, I was like, girls. So they're not answering. Girls. They're not saying a word. I'm like, the bears killed them. Like, <laughs> so I, like, roll up with my flashlight, and I look down at the girls. One girl I will never forget, dude. There are tears, like she could feel a Nalgene. She could feel a camelback. They're just like pouring out of her face. And yet she's like this. Like no emotion. And yet just the trigger is switched. The other girl has her eyes squinted so tight. Like they're glued together. And then in the middle, there was a, like a, a, a mama, truly like a, a mother of five. Just her instincts kicked in. And she's like got both of them like wrapped up. She's like, ain't no bears get. So what I learned, what I learned in that moment is the bears visited us second. They visited the girls first. The girls were their first visit. And the girls were like, fr- like frozen fear. I've never seen this before where you're so afraid, you're petrified. Like they say that happens. I've just never seen it. And literally, I mean, it, they could have been a statue. Like, like they were just done. So all they heard, they never turned a light on. They never looked around. They never got up. In the pitch black, in the middle of the night, in the woods at 3 a.m., all they heard right next to their head was... And they decided, yeah, we're going to die. And they didn't say a word. That's fear. That's what I'm talking about. They were terrified. I was terrified, man. Scary when you come up on stuff like that. It's interesting this effect fear has on us in our hearts, in our lives. Like it does something to us. It taps into something a little primal. Fear does something to us. It does something in our, in our reaction. And honestly, it's pretty sobering. Like in that moment, things just seem so clear. Like you're afraid, but it's clear. What's interesting in the scriptures, if you look in the scriptures, every time that an angel encounters men or women, anytime that this, this divine and holy space brush noses with, with this broken and, and depraved space of, of humanity, humans respond in fear. Like, we don't know what to do with that. Like, if you look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Isaiah sees the glory of God, and he, he says, woe is me. Like, literally, I am dead. I have seen God's glory. I've seen holiness, and there's no way my brokenness can live any longer. Anytime angels come and visit someone, their first phrase is always, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Like, it's like we come face-to-face in the, in the middle of the woods of our soul. We come face-to-face with this, like, glowing thing, celestial being. Like, imagine waking up in the middle of the night, not to a bear, but to, like, a celestial being who's just glowing and looking at you. Maybe they have a sword in hand. Maybe they have wings going. I don't know what's going on. Right? Like, I don't know what they're looking like, dude. What would your response be? Oh, what up, Gabriel? <laughs> nice. No, dude, you'd be like, ah, right? Like, fear not. Fear not. So let's look at the Christmas story tonight. Luke chapter 2. This is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to be looking at fear. And I want to look at the shepherds in particular. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Shepherds. Now, what's really, really interesting, um, 
Luke has the longest Christmas narrative. Like of, of any of the Gospels that write about Jesus and his birth, Luke's is definitely the longest, it's the most descriptive, and it's the most universal. Like Luke, Luke is writing in a way where he's talking about shepherds. Like it's not the focus you think you'd be writing about because in this culture, shepherds were nobodies. Shepherds were like the least of people. If there were a ranking system, they would be on the bottom. They were disrespected. They were mistrusted. They were disliked. They were marginalized. They were kind of on their own. In fact, there were Jewish writings of the day. There were rules in place uh, for, for the rabbis that said, if you're walking through a field or something like that, and you happen upon a shepherd who is stuck in a pit, you have no obligation. No obligation to save him. They're worthless anyway. Like the value of a shepherd was nil. It was nothing. And yet, like look at what's happening in this Christmas story. God is not only coming to man, God is becoming man. And who does God send the invitations to? It's shepherds. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Humanity encountering divine. Perfection and holiness surrounding our brokenness. And they are afraid. They're struck to the core with fear. As are so many others when angels encounter them throughout the scriptures. Why? Like, it's an interesting question. Why, why are people afraid? Uh, aside from the fact that it's a celestial being who's glowing and there's light and it, it seems kind of transcendent and it seems everywhere at once and I'm surrounded by glory. What is that? And, and it's just this kind of otherworldly experience. Aside from that, which merits fear, I think. I think everyone in here would be like, I'm terrified. Why is there fear? Is it because of who the angel is? Like there's different kinds of angels. There are warrior angels. There are battle angels. Do you think these shepherds in that moment were like, oh, Michael's coming for us, man. He's going to swipe us down. Like you think that's what they're thinking. You think they're afraid of God. You think they view God in a vengeful or wrathful, angry way. And they're afraid of this God. I wonder if instead, because of the effect fear has on us, and it, it tends to sober our emotions pretty quickly, I wonder if it's actually, it's, it's not what they know about God, it's what people know about themselves. I feel like it's this reality of here is perfection, here is holiness, here is wholeness, here is heaven before me, and I know who I am. I'm terrified because I know how broken and rotten and even on my best days, how messed up I am. The book of Hebrews says that every person alive has a fear, has a fear of the afterlife. There's an accountability to death. And every person has this innate fear of, man, what's coming next? And when you're met, in this otherworldly, like when you're surrounded by heaven in that moment, I, I don't think 
that it's a fear of who God is as much as it's a fear of who we are. I know how messed up I am, and now I'm standing before heaven. There's no more hiding. But look what the angel says. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the angel said, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths or dirty rags and laying in a manger, or in other words, an animal's feeding trough. They were terrified. They were terrified. Now, this is one angel talking to these guys, these shepherds. And I've, been, I've actually been to this field in Israel. It's this very, very shallow valley. It, gem- it gently kind of rolls down to the bottom. And it is massive and long. Anything in the dead of night that remotely glows, everyone in that field, everyone in that valley is going to see. Everybody. I mean, this is just such an exposed area. Here's this angel. He's speaking to these guys, and they're terrified. Ah! Like they're frozen. And if that's not bad enough, one angel turns into a multitude. If you can just imagine, they're terrified with one, and now the whole sky is like, oh, my gosh, it's Armageddon, right? But the angels that appear later don't say something. They sing something, and they're singing Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. We're afraid when we're confronted with the divine. We're pretty good, if we're honest, at wearing masks throughout the day, right? We're pretty good at ignoring or avoiding or distracting ourselves long enough to where we don't have to wrestle with our own brokenness or mortality. Yeah? Any uh, musical fans in the house? Anybody like music? Okay, good, yeah. I, I like it. I'm just not like a music dude. When people are like, who do you listen to? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but there is a band uh, called 21 Pilots. Anyone like them? Yeah? When they first came out, like first came out, they had this song. I thought it was a profound song. It's called Car Radio. It's still one of my favorite songs they, they do. You like it? I can't tell by the face, Sam. Yeah? Okay. He's like, "Mm." I didn't know that was like, that's so good, I'm scrunching, or no. Uh, It's called Car Radio, and basically the song is about someone stole the radio out of their car. Now they're forced to drive around in silence, and the silence is dangerous because now they're forced to actually deal with their thoughts for the first time. There's no button to push to distract them. There's no music to drown out the voices. They have to deal with what is real to steal the lyrics. Like, there is a fear we have when we have to confront our mortality and our brokenness. And any time a divine celestial being steps into the reality face-to-face with broken men and women, there's fear because of who they are. I don't think so. I think it's who we are. It's like, man, I have to confront the reality. Dude, if you're here like the Grim Reaper or something, like if you're about to take me, there's no way I'm right right now. Like, I didn't, I'm afraid. And look what the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy because of the coming of Jesus. Hear me. Because of the coming of Jesus, our fear is turned into joy. Jesus trades one emotion for another. 
there is a fear to the afterlife. There is an accountability to what's coming next. And so often we walk around with this weight on our shoulders, this guilt and this shame, this idea that, man, we, we are, it's not just that we're broken, it's that we're hopeless. It's, it's this mentality of earning that I've got to somehow do enough, be enough, say enough, earn enough, stack up enough that God would be pleased with this. And every single one of us know it's impossible. And for some reason, we still get into these ruts of, okay, I got to be a better person. I got to do enough. I got to wake up early and read my Bible. I got to pray more. I got to, and it is impossible to earn God's favor. And so we live in this fear that we're just not doing enough, and we feel it, and we're broken, and on our worst days, man, we come face to face with the silence, and we have to wrestle with our emotions, and here is an angel and a multitude saying, don't be afraid. You don't have to have fear with your creator. We're bringing good news. You can have joy with your creator. And you respond to that, how can I have joy when I'm so weighed down by these emotions and by my sin and by my brokenness? Well, what do the angels say to the shepherds when the multitude comes? It's not just that, that our fear is replaced with joy. The angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is well pleased. Now, I have, I brought something tonight. It's a nativity. Anyone have nativities at home? Yeah? Okay, no one over here. That's cool. Okay. Oh, hey. It's just a little late on the jaw. That's fine. I, uh, I have a tradition, just so you know. I've heard it's good to confess your sin, so I want to confess this. James 5, 16, confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another that you can be healed. Pray for me, man. I need healing. I have a... a I don't know, a habit. Anytime I'm in someone's home and they have a nativity out, I try to steal the baby Jesus and see how long it takes him to notice. Sometimes weeks or months might go by and they're scanning their whole house and I've got a little wooden baby Jesus at home. It cracks me up. I've got problems, man. I don't know what to tell you. I won't do it unless we're like tight. Like I'm not just going to go into a stranger's home at a Christmas party and be like, oh, sweet. <laughs> no. But, you know, it's, it's just for fun. Okay, so I've got a nativity here. Uh, so check this out, man. This is... This is good. Check this out. It's a little, uh, hold on. I got some stuff here. It's like one of these assembly ones. You know what I'm saying? Check this out. Backdrop. Yeah. I know. I knew you guys would be impressed. Hold on. There we go. Okay. So you put that barn piece on. Yes. And then you put this barn piece on. Yes. Look at that. Now we put this roof you got to waterproof it. you got to waterproof it. I mean, it's Jesus, for crying out loud. Okay. Okay. So here's our little scene. Now, here's what we've done over the years. We've done a pretty good job at, at making the scene pretty cool. All right. Who do I got here? I got a sheep, for sure. You're there. Oh, here's Mary. <laughs> you know she was there. Okay. All right. Mary, you're in front of that cow. And then I got... Yeah, there's like a heifer in the barn. I don't know if you can see him, but he's back there. Oh, baby Jesus, he's in there. Now I got, which one's Joseph? No, that's a shepherd. Okay, shepherd, you're there worshiping, dude. All right. Oh, shepherd's dad, you're there too. Okay. Here's an angel. That's the first angel. Here's the multitude. Who am I? I guess this is Joseph. Dude, you look and fly. Joseph's got his, he's got a cane. It looks like a shepherd, but I guess that's Joseph. Sure, why not, man? 
Oh, shepherd boy number two, stage left, okay. Now, uh, all right, I don't know the terms, okay, I'm just trying my best up here. All right, so here I got homie dude rolling up in a camel. He's, takes up a lot of room, that camel, okay? Hold on. I, I know, okay, I'm trying to make room, just give me a second. All right, yo, wise, wise man, magi, there you go. Boom, there you go, okay. Camel dude, you're in the back. <laughs> thanks, dude. Oh, thanks, man, shepherd boy, <laughs> sorry. All right, now, here's what we do. <laughs> no, he's the shepherd boy. All right, now here's what we've done. Here's what we've done over the years. We've done a pretty good job at taking the Christmas story and turning it into kind of a commercialized, it's all about the holiday, not necessarily about the story, right? So we, we kind of blow this up. So I brought some extra characters tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. Extra characters. You may not know this it, when you read your Bible. It's in the subtext. You've got to look at the footnotes, but there were some other people there. Uh, first of all, Yo, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Christmas without some Charlie Brown. So here's Linus. Check this out. You pull his blanket, he retracts it back. Ain't nobody taking my blanket. Okay. Linus is there. Y'all didn't know we had some safari business going on. Think about how far that zebra had to travel from Africa to get to Jerusalem. He had to come... Man, Africa through Morocco, wow, that is a committed zebra there, all right? I'm doing the British pronunciation, okay? I'm trying to do the British pronunciation, so don't start a controversy with me, okay? All right. All right, we got some buzz action going on. That represents like the celestial beings. Spider-Man Pez Dispenser. Obviously, he's reverent, he's reverent, some prehistoric, because you know, you know Jesus made it all, T-Rex, sneak attack coming in from the top, wouldn't be the same without some Christmas bells, okay, I don't know, right there, uh, this, I just, I think I grabbed by accident, it's a, the arm of a frog, so he's there. When you're grabbing your son's toys, you know that life, you know what I mean? Just things get in there. Uh, Nick Fury, a hom homie's representing, ain't nobody touching Jesus, Avengers get it, right? Like he's, he's King Herod, you ain't messing with the baby, okay? I know it sounded like I said the rapper's name, I was meaning Jesus there. And then also here, um, you know, because we keep it festive. Uh, I, think, I feel like I'm going to blow up. They didn't work, and now they do. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. That's what I got. Now, that's quite a nativity going on right there. Now, listen. I know this seems, I know there's no sin. Okay. I know this seems silly, right? But if we're honest, this is kind of what we do with the Jesus story this time of year. You know? I'm not against nativities. Obviously, I have one. I have two. My mom buys us a piece every year. Like, she 
she gets us a gift to add on. Not this one, but like a fancier one. I know, it's really precious, and we never put it out. It's always in the attic. But she does it. <laughs> Don't listen to the podcast, Mom. Um, but this is honestly what we do with the story of Jesus. We, we turn it into kind of this, and it becomes blended with a lot of tradition and a lot of holiday stuff. I've even seen like pictures of Santa bringing a gift out of his satchel to baby Jesus. And it's like, dude, what the heck are we doing with Jesus right now, right? But as silly as this looks, this is what we do sometimes. So let's, let's kind of break this down. Let's strip this down a little bit. First, frog arm, you know you got to go. T-Rex, obviously T-Rex didn't get there until at least a year later. So he's, he's not there for sure. Uh, Zebra might have been there. All right, Spider-Man, you got to go. Shepherd down. We got a shepherd down aisle five. Okay, you guys are gone for sure. Shepherd, let me get that Christmas bell. Sorry, Shepherd, I keep knocking you over. Nick, you're the wrong Nick, buddy. Okay, Christmas lights, you out of here. All right, we're stripping it down. Obviously, there was no zebra. Get out of here. We're joking. We're joking. All right, now here, we got to get a little more accurate. I don't want to burst your Christmas bubble, but the wise men were not there, okay? There were no wise men there. Wise men, wise men didn't come until at least a year later, maybe even two. They came and visited a toddler, not a baby. So you guys matter. You're just not in this story, okay? So we're stripping it down. Now, when you're, when, when you're left, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the angel. She came for the announcement, but, but she left, okay? So when you're stripping it down, I want you to look. This is a much more accurate nativity. Look at who's there. You've got... Mary, a teenage girl, who's 15, 16 in this room right now? Yeah? Imagine God coming to you in a dream saying, hey, you're pregnant. It's going to save the world. He's going to save the world. And listen up. And no one's going to get it. Everyone's going to think you cheated on Joseph. Everyone's going to think that you are promiscuous. I'll use a very church word, promiscuous. Um, Mary and Joseph, they were also pretty poor, by the way. They were from a, a backwoods, like redneck town, hick town called Nazareth, all right? Like they're from nowhere. They're going nowhere. They have no money. The offering they bring to the temple, the offering they give to the temple a little bit later is the offering that poor people give. It's like the lowest offering you could possibly give God if you have no money. They have no money. God Almighty, creator of everything, comes to a teenage girl and says, you're going to give birth to my son, savior of the world. You're poor. You have no clue what you're doing. Rumors are going to spread. Everyone's going to think you're cheating on Joseph. I'm going to turn your life upside down. Imagine Joseph. Dude, this guy is one of the most underrated characters in the whole Bible to me. If my wife comes to me and says, hey, I'm pregnant. And an angel told me that it was God's. I'd be like, yeah, I, hmm, I'm going to file some things. I'm going to have you sent somewhere. It's a real nice place. They're going to take care of you. I'm going to hold the kids for a while, and we're just going to sort this out. Like, it's, dude, heck no. This dude sticks with her. Sticks with her. Think about Jesus, creator of the world. Holds all things together by the power of his word, the book of Hebrews says. Maker of heaven and earth. 
Gospel of John says, Word became flesh. In the beginning there was God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus could have come in any form possible. You ever think about that? He could have come in anything. The flashiest, the most appealing. He could have come in a way that would let people undeniably know, this is God. This is God. There's no... And yet, Jesus came as the most vulnerable and delicate and fragile thing on this planet, a baby who's solely reliable, utterly dependent upon these two right here who have no clue what they're doing. And they're in a barn in the middle of the night, and he is wrapped in some dirty, filthy rags, and they've literally got him in a box that horses and cows have been eating out of, And this is how God decides to enter the world. It is so upside down. For God to come into the world, you would think, okay, who's he going to invite? The VIPs? The lavish? The rich? The well-known? No. Who's he invite? The shepherds. The rejects. The marginalized. You've been out in the field. You smell terrible. You smell like livestock, literally. You have no friends that can speak English. (laughs) You are people that nobody wants. Why don't you come and witness the birth of the Savior of the world? Why don't you come and, and worship him before anybody else? Imagine that. Look at what the angels say again to the shepherds. Look at what the multitude says. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom God is well pleased. The shepherds are the first one to hear that. The ones who have no place in culture, the ones who have no place among others, no nothing prestigious, nothing honorable. They are rejects, they are marginalized, they are unwanted. If they're in a pit, people can walk by and not rescue them, and no one bats an eye. If there is anyone in this world who walked around with shame, it would be shepherds. Shame of their profession, shame of their life, shame of their status, of acceptance. How many of us are striving for that look, that status? I want to be known for this, man. I want to have the right look. I got to have the right clothes. I got to have the right look on my Insta. The account's got to line up on my TikTok Reebok. I got to have a lot of followers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to get it going. It's all about me, me, me. I got to be a brand. I got to have followers. I got to have likes. Shepherds had animals, and that's it. If there's anyone in this life who wrestled with shame, it would have been shepherds. And look at what Jesus does. Look at how he flips the cosmos. Look at how God turns everything on its head. You know who I want to come and worship me first? The rejects. You see, because of the coming of Jesus... Without all its commercialization and without all the Christmas lights and without Baby Yoda here and without all this other stuff. Oh, it's a matter of time. The Star Wars nativity, I can see it now, right? Without all that going on, some of you are like, we should make it first. (laughs) Look at how gritty this scene is, man. It's a dirty baby born to cheap parents. Scandalous. Scandalous. And the rejects of society are there. That's God. That's how he enters the world. You see, when we boil it down to this, 
It's not just that our fear is traded with joy because of Jesus. It's that our shame is traded for peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. This isn't a, a peace of conflict only. This is what Jim talked about this morning. It's not a peace of conflict only. It's a peace with our soul. There's something in us that knows we are not whole. We are broken. And when we stand before our creator, we know it. There's an accountability to the afterlife. And we have fear and we have shame. And Jesus came and he said, man, I will replace your fear with joy. And I will replace your shame with peace. I will offer a wholeness to you. I will make your soul complete. I will restore that which is broken. And I will invite you into what you were always originally created to be in, which is a perfect, harmonious relationship with your creator, God the Father. And how does he do it in this magnitude where thousands are seeing it and, and man, the rich and the VIPs are getting invitation? And No. He does it by finding two teenage parents, entrusting himself to them, coming as an infant, and then inviting some shepherds to the party. This is the Savior of the world. Because Jesus came, our fear is replaced with joy. We don't have to be afraid of our creator or afraid of the afterlife. We can have joy, non-circumstantial joy, permanent joy because of who Jesus is. And because Jesus came, we can have peace. We don't have to wrestle in our souls with our creator. We don't, we don't have to, to be broken. We can be restored. We can be made right. We can be made whole all because of this little baby. Jesus came to bring joy and peace, replacing fear and shame. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Your story uh, doesn't make sense. That a God like this would make moves like that. That he would turn everything on its head. That you would come to the lowest and the least, the rejects, the marginalized. Jesus, we thank you for your love. And ultimately, we thank you for replacing our fear, the fear that strikes a chord all the way down to our heart bones. We thank you for replacing that with joy. Jesus, we thank you for replacing our shame with peace. Peace with you, peace with others, peace with our own souls. Thank you for coming, Jesus. Thank you for your story and for your love. We love you. We ask these things and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.